Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? Well, here we are again. I'm in my <clears throat> back at the uh, Southern Lair, Jace. That's the, that's the name of my new place. I'm actually, we're actually, you know, down here they name houses, so we're we're naming it the Southern Lair. Hmm. The Southern Lair. The Southern Lair, because you had the Northern Lair, which is where you guys are. I'm in the Southern Lair. Uh, before we get cranked up today, I wanted to mention uh, about our, I guess you you call it a sister podcast, although it's all men, so maybe it's a brother podcast, uh, which is the Duck Call Room, which is Cy and Martin and Godwin, and I think they just kind of tell stories and have hijinks, talk about hunting, I guess. Uh, but they've been running once a week. They're about to go to two days a week, Tuesday and Thursday. And so if you watch it on YouTube or, you know, you, you've got an option now on the Tuesday one to go to the uh, YouTube.com slash Duck Call Room. It's the only place you'll be able to get the Tuesday one. So just want to let you guys know that, kind of be looking for that. You go to YouTube.com uh, to su- uh, subscribe and it's a uh, YouTube.com slash Duck Call Room. So check who's out that on, podcast on, if you have. Who's on that? Si? Well, yeah, Martin is kind of like me on this one. He, he's kind of the quarterback. And then you got Johnny D, um, and then you got Cy, and then I think they rotate the fourth chair through Stone. Um, I don't know who else. I think Willie was on there. They said the other day. So <clears throat> Godwin is he on it? I think Godwin rotates through. Yeah. Do they so, put subtitles you know, on Godwin? <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to. Watch, I haven't watched it, but I've yeah. heard it's great. I've seen a couple of like bites that they put on youtube but uh it looks great that stone tells me that size just you know he's been knocking it out of the park do so. they use of course, closed, you know now he's do they use closed captioning for a podcast like if you were going <laughs> down you the road <laughs> they would no, they serious. would need I, to for sure <laughs> well si, i don't have the stuff he says it's not even in the english language <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is you, you know they did the they did that nicely in other languages and sigh in other languages is even funnier because oh. how would you translate that yeah. into another language? The only time I ever watched an episode of Duck Dynasty once it was released, we were uh, Missy and I did an event in Mexico and it we we were at the hotel and it came on and in, we, in Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, but it was in Spanish. It was like one of these, uh, you know, these old Chinese uh, fighter movies where the guy, his mouth moves, and then he's like, get out of my way. That, But it, this was, 
<laughs> so, and did you we, tell me the size? The guy's size voice was like a high, like a squeaky. It was like Hispanic five voice. octaves, not five. I, I, I can't remember the musical scale, but like notches above. I guess is that an octave above? Oh, if Missy yeah. listens to this, she's gonna be. I'll, 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 she'll sit me down and explain the musical scale. But it was like a really high pitch sigh version and i have no idea what they were saying but uh we sat there and laughed till we cried at, at some point some of the people during the duck dynasty <clears throat> episodes they sat down with me one day and they said that they they felt like i needed a little speech on talent what talent really is in the tv world and they said what do you think about a guy who will come right up to the line, but before he makes a complete fool out of himself, he will, he will shut his mouth before he becomes a complete fool or makes himself look like a complete idiot. And he, and he holds the line, and he won't quick step across and do that. What do you think about a guy like that? I said, well, I would think that that's what wisdom. He wised up instead of making a fool of himself. He just keeps his mouth shut. Yeah. He said, you, that's why you don't understand talent, Mr. Robertson, because your brother, Cy, he said, he'll step across that line. That's what talent is. I said, well, somewhere in the mix, I missed it, dude. So I don't have any. <laughs> he was letting me know that I was not the star of the show, and I lived yeah. with it. That's right. Y'all think y'all have problems getting a word in edgewise. Cy and Martin, like when I'm around them, I never say a word. That's so funny. I don't see how the other. They're just not room for whatever you have to say. Never. Yeah. That's what people don't realize. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure the duck call room is a lively. When I worked in the uh, duck call room, I said I probably, I mean, we went on for years because we had Martin and Godwin and Cy. Who else was in there? And Jelp was yeah, in there. And uh, yeah. I would say that I I was less than 1% of the conversation. You were among more talented individuals, according to yeah. the TV buffs. Yeah, I just couldn't. <laughs> For a while, I tried to jump in, but it just... Your intellect would just not measure up with size. No. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's scary. It's a scary world out there. So I think I'll I'm gonna watch it. I'm on or li do you listen or watch both? It's like you can do either. Okay. Yeah. And the size got the now that you know post COVID, so he's having to wear his oxygen uh, all the time. He's got his little cannulas you know, on his nose, which he oh, should have already been doing. Look, I know I played cards with him the last time I saw him. And I'm like, you know, I'm in a hand with him, which I just try to avoid, Cy. And I'm like, I mean, I can't. I'm like, Cy, I got the best hand possible. I mean, he's, you know, he's got his breathing, his, his oxygen. And I, just, I, just like, I just can't do it. <laughs> it it <laughs> convinced me, Cy's uh, uh, coming out on the other side of the coronavirus, it did convince me that there is a God in heaven if he survived. Yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Al? But no, yeah, we he, all said from day, he would die if he got. We said if Sai gets this, he's dying. Yeah, no, I, said, no I said unless God intervenes, 
I left it yeah, open which that was, God would, would spare him. Well, God did spare him. And he did. But, look, he did. I've always said about Sal, whatever you think he's going to say or do, usually the opposite occurs. You know, <laughs> so I, I'm like, I don't know why I didn't take the contrarian view. You know? <laughs> well, right, but, because, I mean, obviously, he, he's pretty tough. But, you know, Sal had the, uh, you know, depression hit him with this thing and and sadie told me the same thing when she had it of course she was pregnant too but she said that she like got in and I've, I've read this about other people this is why this thing is so crazy not everybody experiences it i guess you did not jay did you get like super depressed like sadie was like no. i was just dark i mean so it's just weird you're kind of lonely i think it's the combination of the quarantine you're sick and it's <clears throat> yeah a little different type of i mean you never it has a few bells and whistles in enduring it, you know, with the no taste and smell. I mean, that's just being cruel. It's like, oh, you can yeah. eat, but you can't taste it. Well, somebody in Louisiana, <laughs> I mean, food is like in our top five of tasting food is, is a big deal. And so then you're quarantined, so you're lonely, and it, I could see how people could get depressed. I mean, you just, if you're raised in Louisiana and you can't taste food and you can't be around people, that's pretty much all we do. <laughs> you know? That's probably the, it's that, a good right, that's the number one thing. Yeah, it's a great one. Well, it's like. All right, so, Dad, you got. Well, I was just going to say one last thing. It was like when, when the producers or whoever, the powers that be, were going to do our show, it was so drastic. When they said, I mean, we had a meal together before we had a meeting, and they were like, how often do you do this? It was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. And they were like, gather around a table and, and eat. And we were all looking at them like, what, what kind of question is that? It, it, it was the most ridiculous question, but they were serious. So I guess the, in our fast food age and – individualism people don't gather together and eat but they just don't do it not, not, so a lot I of people just don't want to throw that in there but you're right jason not only that, that that's probably why louisiana especially you know basically i mean everybody you know tried their best to do what they were asked to do but at the same time you weren't going to keep you're not keep louisiana families from getting together it's just not going to happen i mean i know no. in some of these other states They've done it. I have a little update. And uh, did you wake up this morning with this on your mind? Because you were trying to give it to me a while ago. I, so, I woke up. I woke up during the night. Uh oh. And uh, put uh -oh. your seatbelt on. And I want to say this to our listeners. Just go for it. Because a lot of people say, "Well, well, the Bible is boring," and this, that, and other, and they all come up with these. There's a lot. Look, uh, to all you listeners, I know that we're speaking to many, many, many different denominations i understand there's a lot of division in the christian world i understand it's always been that way the wars within the within the kingdom of god so let me just give you an update from our study of the book of acts i'll do this as quickly as possible saul of tarsus a guy who was on the wrong side of this thing is introduced in chapter 7 about uh verse 36, 37. Where and when you mean wrong side of the thing, he was actually killing Christian like people. Hitman right. 
for people who follow Jesus. That's right. So Stephen gets up and preaches a sermon in Acts 7, and, uh, and I'll show you a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's when he's introduced. Chapter 8, verse 1, he was there, given approval to his death, kill them all. Chapter 8, verse 3, Saul began to destroy the church. That's why I said he's on the wrong side of this particular issue. That's when he's introduced. A short period of time later, it will be probably several years, he had this to say after he was converted to Christ, and which is covered in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, and then Jesus strikes him down on a road to Damascus. He has a change of heart instantaneously, and he starts writing most of the New Testament, which he did. Part of his writings, one of them is when he talked to Timothy, a young preacher. Here's what he said. Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. That's the one that he was the, the, the spokesman for the Lord Jesus, Stephen, that he was killing. Don't be ashamed of me. His, this is Saul of Tarsus, the ex-Saul of Tarsus talking now as the Apostle Paul. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1. Suffer for the gospel. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything he'd done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. He had no idea when he's first introduced in the book of Acts, a killer. But he's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus and destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the centerpiece of what he's telling Timothy, a young preacher. This gospel, I was appointed right after he was killing Christians. Jesus struck him down and appoints him to be a herald and an apostle for crying out loud and a teacher. He said, that's why I'm suffering as I am. Now he's going through the same thing he was putting on the Christian people. Yet I'm not ashamed, which is the podcast that you're now listening to, because I know the ex-apostle Paul, the current uh, apostle, I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for this day. Whatever you heard, what you heard from me, Timothy, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. Well... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hey, Dad, hang on. Let's take a quick... So, you know, credit score, Jace, is not something you think about until you need it. Uh, recently, Lisa and I bought this place down here in Gulf Shores, and I hadn't really... It's been a while since I financed anything. And so uh, I was like, hey, we got to make sure our credit score is up. And the only reason I knew about that is because of one of our sponsors... Uh, that's called Scoremaster. And so, you know, I was like, what's a good credit? What's a bad credit? You know, what's the number? Because it's always it's, it's just a numbers game, you know, to be able to save your money on the interest is what it does. So you think, well, is 700 good? Is 700 bad? So that's why you got to have a, as high a score as possible. And I didn't realize this. It's Credit Awareness Month. Did you know that, James? I did not know, but thanks for sharing. 
So now you know. So these guys at Scoremaster, basically it's, it's the science of credit scores. And so you can, uh, they average 61 points in 20 days or less. Uh, if you go and check these guys out, that's the average of your credit score going up. So it's really good. Uh, you sign up in one minute. You go to scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill and find out how many points you can add to your credit score. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all recorded that Jesus died. God became flesh, Jesus. The virgin birth is covered. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, and he was raised from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, he said, go preach the message. Go preach the gospel. Me dying, being buried and raised from the dead, and baptize the one. Make the disciples of all nations baptize them. So you get to Acts. The first few statements in the book of Acts, Luke, the doctor, wrote it. He'd already covered it in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. He appeared to him, Acts 1-3. We covered this. Over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. After his suffering, verse 3, he showed himself to these men. He brings up the gospel that he recorded when he wrote the gospel of Luke. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 23. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose for knowledge. You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. God has raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's chapter 2. Chapter 1, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men. Then he went back into heaven. You get to chapter the, the end of chapter 2, almost. What's their response? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. Go make disciples and baptize them. What do we do? Repent and be baptized. They're baptizing them. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3. You disown, verse 14, the holy and righteous one. You ask that a murderer be released to you. Oh, Barabbas, you kill the author of life. But God has raised him from the dead. Are you seeing the pattern? Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. For all you various denominations out there, give me a break. Let's all stand on this. Chapter 4, verse 2 or 3 there. Teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Pattern. Hold to the pattern. Uh, it's what Paul told Timothy. Look down at the bottom of there about verse 10. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God has raised from the dead. He's still on it. All of them are. You say, that's chapter 4. I turn a page. You get to chapter 5. Peter, verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. They've got their marching orders. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. They're still on it. Same message. Peter, I mean, uh, Paul told Timothy, hold to the pattern as sound teaching, whatever you do. Yeah. You turn one page, you get the end of chapter five. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6 and 7 is what we discussed a while ago. 
leading into Paul's. Uh, well, ago, it was about two weeks ago. But about yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> yes. We hear what Stephen said to him. They even kill those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Now you've betrayed and murdered him. He's still on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You get to chapter 8. Saul was there giving approval to his death before he became an apostle. You look at verse 4. Those who had been scattered from Jerusalem preached the word wherever they went. Well, what do you know? They run up on old, old, old uh, Simon the sorcerer. When they believed Philip as he preached the gospel of the kingdom and the name of Jesus, they were baptized. I see a pattern. The gospel is preached and they baptize him. The gospel is preached and they baptize him and they receive God's spirit. So now we come along and we look at some guy driving down the road, the Ethiopian eunuch. Here comes one of the spokesmen for God. He preaches the gospel. He started with the passage that Philip knew nothing about, the eunuch. He started with that, told him the good news about Jesus. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He went out in the water and baptized him. How many times would you have to read them, those people, preaching the gospel and the response, baptize them in a pool of water before you said, you know what, after the first eight chapters, and we just got started, we yeah. read the book of Acts, this is going to come up over and over and over. And the last, the first thing that's said in the book of Acts is Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men, then he left the earth. The last thing in the book of Acts, last statement, boldly and without hindrance, he, Paul, who was Saul, preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, after that little rant, please, all of you, and across the denominational world, let's come together on the message that it's preached. It's the truth Jesus referred to that would set us free from Satan, from sin, from guilt, from law, and from the grave, for crying out loud. Let's come yeah. together and all stand as one on that message, please. I'm done with my little rant. Well, you got your sermon. Al, do you want to lay the invitation song? And well, I started to go into just as I am or give a little hallelujah. No, I was I'm just trying to tie this all together for people to look and say, so yeah. what, what? I think it's good that every once in a while you, because what we do when you study sections of scripture, especially in a church setting, a lot of times the big picture is always missed. That's my point, Jason. Look, I bumped into Willie yesterday, and uh, he 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 taught Sunday up at one of the local churches, and of course he introduced Jesus. M Missy actually watched it somehow online, and. He said there was a couple of young fellas, impressive looking young, like college age type guys. They wanted to be baptized. And when they, they had a baptistry, but it didn't have any water in it or enough water. So he said they were getting buckets. Like when he was telling me about it, what popped into my head is like these 
western you watch back in the day where there's a fire in a house and you know everybody gets the buckets and their yeah. hand he said that's what Old happened Matt Dillon movie he there. said in 10 minutes the bucket started flying and they're getting the water and i was like willie in the westerns they're trying to put the fire out y'all are trying to create a scenario where the fire starts <laughs> and uh he said i'm gonna use that <laughs> so i thought that was when you were reading all that i thought in that setting which made it kind of exciting that they're they're getting the buckets and it's exciting. But these people had heard Jesus, young guys, which you, there's something about college-age people coming to Christ that's even more exciting. I mean, I'm excited when anybody comes, but you're thinking for the future. You're like, these are the people we need doing the same thing because what has changed from then to now? Nothing. <clears throat> Nothing. Nothing. As much as everything's changed in the world, it's still about having conversations with people, introducing Jesus, receiving the you know, the salvation and the benefits of having this relationship and getting off the planet eventually. It, and, nothing and, and has Jace, changed in my opinion. Look, it's not rocket science for crying out loud, Al. I know good and well that every denomination or group out there, we ought to come together and stand on the message of God becoming flesh, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead, and ascended back into heaven where he's there to mediate for us. He removes our sin, and he'll raise us from the dead. Give me a break. It's right here. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to read a verse. Let's take a break. So, Jace, I would say you... Every day you're thinking about how how am I going to make a little more money on my on my stocks and you're always trimming. I hear you use the word trimming and buying and selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you should be you should be interested in saving a little money too, so you can invest some money. That's uh, right. And that's our one of our sponsors is a company called Gabby Insurance. Uh, and basically, they can help people save an extra $961 in a year uh, just because of insurance. Um, so that's pretty good. That's how much they've been saving people on car insurance and home insurance. Basically, what they do is they shop for you. They've got the top 40 insurance providers, people like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers. They go, they figure out the cheapest way you can go, and they save you money, which is pretty good. So uh, if you want to check these guys out and save a little money, you go to Gabby.com, that's G-A-B-I.com slash unashamed, Gabby.com slash unashamed. Find out how much they can save you. It's free to check it out, and there's no obligation. I wanted to read a verse that kind of caps what you just said, that, and it's what Paul said about himself in Galatians 1. He's, you know, he's talking to the Galatian church. He mm -hmm. said, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ, as you mentioned, and we're going to talk about in the Acts you bet you. For You have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And then catch this phrase, because I think this goes to the frustration you were mentioning, Dad, that sometimes we lose sight of. <clears throat> Verse 14, I was, at, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age, and here's the key phrase, and was extremely zealous for the traditions 
of my father's. You see, Man. I mean, he get caught up in the idea of that, and I think that's exactly like he you just, said, Jace. He, he, he couldn't see it, Al. He couldn't see it. It's right in plain sight. Yeah. That's why I'm making the point here today to everybody. Look, this is not like rocket science. Well, but you got different. You got different places. Different. The reason that we have so many different denominations is what the world kind of makes fun of. Is because they're like y'all can't even get along. And, and unite. I mean, there's thousands of different groups. It's there's so many. It just looks so unappealing to the world. But I think within the certain groups and church buildings, people start trying to please men, and I mean mankind instead of God. They come up with things that's just what their either their personality or their tradition or their interpretation has come up with. And then alienate anybody who doesn't agree with that set of standards. It reminds me, of, you read that out. Where, where was that at, what you read? Galatians 1. Galatians 1, verse yeah. Well, right before that, even in the 6 through 10 of Galatians 1, what's weird is I had it turned to Galatians 1. He said, I, you know, I'm shocked that you're turning to a different gospel. Astonished. Yeah, and then he like, couldn't have been any stronger. Like anybody who preaches a different gospel, let him be eternally condemned. I mean, it's like scary. But then he made this statement in verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Which reminds me of that story in Acts 5 about Which Ananias is my point. and Sapphira. They were using a religious setting and, and the giving of money to try to impress men instead of God. And you say, well, how do, how do we get off? Why don't we unite? That, that's how it happens, which is unfortunate. But I think it also, in, in a way, conceals people who are genuinely in love with Jesus where you can't really get to them. That's why the church will never be destroyed. Because amongst all this mess of religion, there are millions of people who genuinely love Jesus and are out here sharing the same message. Which the at the current time frame in the history of our country, it's such the situation is getting such uh, dire circumstances and what we've done to ourselves, our nation. I'm begging the ones, I'm making a plea to all the ones of the various denominations for crying out loud, let's all agree on God becoming flesh 2,021 years ago. We're counting time by him. Our calendar tells us, screams it out at us. His death on a cross, his burial and resurrection now, and, and send him back into the heaven. I mean, surely we can agree on that and the response to it based on the book of Acts there, Jace. All right, look. Well, they heard it and they said, what do we do? Well, they took them down there. Jesus said, baptize them. And they did. Why yeah. don't we just do it? I agree. And I'll give you my sermon. I woke up years ago in the middle of the night with this, what we're studying. And I think it's interesting that Saul's conversion, it's in the book of Acts three times. I mean, this is like the, as it happened, but it's two other times we'll get to. But you can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's an important moment, obviously, because he wrote so many books. But I just think when the Bible repeats itself, which was your whole point, you should take special notice. But 
I'll give you my little sermon from Acts 9. You know, you have Saul in verse 1. He was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue uh, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which I think this is the first time that phrase is used in the book of Acts, and I love it because it makes you think of that John 14. Jesus said, I am the way. And the followers of Jesus, they just became known as the way. I like that. I, I love By it. the way, if anybody out there in the denomination where I want to carry that name, go for it. Yeah. But what's... <laughs> Who what, are y'all? We're the way. What's disturbing is it's not that he was just killing Christians. He was doing investigations here to try to find out who belonged. I mean, it, this is as heinous. Oh. He had devoted his life to pursuing and He was a murderous yeah. thug. Yeah. I mean, it reminds you of... Uh, you know, even what happened, I, I the, very seldom do I relate something to, you know, Nazis and killing Jews. But, he, you know, this what he's doing is basically trying to uncover anybody who follows Jesus and wipe them off the face of the he earth. He went from that to Timothy that I started out with to say to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel now. Stand on it. Don't move on it. Hold as a pattern of yeah. sound teaching there, Timothy. Don't get off this. Go to the left or right. Well, fast forward 2,000 years. No, mm -hmm. we, we, we got off of it. We, we, well, we, right. We, so look, then in verse 3, he neared Damascus, and then suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, which all the light references that we went through in the book of John, Jesus on the light of the world, that passage in 1 Timothy 6 about God who is in unapproachable light. Well, here is Jesus in this moment because he fell to the ground and he hears a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the first, I guess, point of my little sermon is who? Who are you, Lord? That's a question that every human being has to ask at some point in their life. That's it. Just think about that. Every yeah. human being has to say, who, who, are, who are you, Lord? Now, they may not say Lord, but who is Jesus? Just think how profound that question is. Of course, he had already deducted that whoever this is, is Lord because he's just it, shown up in a lightning bolt. Yeah, and, <laughs> and struck him down and he's blind and he says, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't he could see nothing. So they led him to the hand to Damascus. For th three days he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink anything. And, you know, I don't think you can. I think you got to have water. What's that rule of three? Three minutes without oxygen. Three days without water. Three weeks without food. So he, he's at the brink of death here with no water. Someone and, says, well, how come he changed his mind so quick, so quickly? So what would your answer be to that? You know, how could you be a murderous thug yeah. and be on one side of a, of a thing, and all of a sudden you've had a change of heart, Well, I, beginning with most, the lightning strike? A lot of people have told me about near-death experiences, and they say, you know, I think the Lord was saying this, and I think this. When the Lord 
strikes you down and you're blind and he starts talking to you <laughs> and nobody else can hear it, I think that did it. <laughs> now, <laughs> the standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. It but, did it for him. Uh, and look, people like say, well, does that happen today? I don't God can do what he wants. And we might have heard thunder one day and it was just the Lord talking to somebody saying, get it right. You remember when so, we were coming from the duck blind that day is a is a muggy day, but no thunder, no nothing. And you remember we heard like a click. And then it was just boom, boom. <laughs> I mean, lightning barely missed us, and yeah. I looked at you, and you looked at me, and everybody else looked around. It, it got our attention, Jace. Yeah. So next time that happens, we need to say, we need to go start sharing Jesus. I'm telling you. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> well, look, here's what bothers me. I mean, I know well, we're- Continue we're, on with your line I of know, thought. we're chasing a rabbit here, but I do want to say this, that when, most of the time when I'm having a conversation about somebody, when they start telling me like their story- and it's a near-death experience, it bothers me because Saul didn't go around, you know, sharing his story, even though, you know, the story's told three times. He was sharing Jesus. I mean, this moment, just like our moment when we're humbled and ask, who are you, Lord, whatever our circumstances are, it results in us sharing Jesus, not us. That's right. We're, we're, We're not anything special at all. In fact, he says the opposite. He's like, I was the worst center in the history of the world. And yep. he actually had a point. So the men were, all right, they didn't, they couldn't understand it. But look, as much as this is about Saul, I think it's about Ananias also. Because here he is. Well, he's, he, he's trusting God. He's in Damascus in verse 10. And there was Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. So you got two different encounters going on. Now, I love this. So the first point that everyone has to ask it as a human being is who, who is Jesus? But the second point is, is when the Lord calls you, you have one answer. And it's yes, three Lord. letters again. Yes, Lord. And I, I went to that passage. I was at 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 1 where it says, I think I have to stop and make this point. It's 2 Corinthians 1.18. Because there's a very interesting thing, I think, that came from this story because Saul, then Paul, wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 1. And he's trying to get the Corinthians to 
get back to the gospel and we're familiar with what happened at Corinth. But in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 1, he said, when I planned this, uh, and you can read the context later, did I do it lightly or do I make any plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? But it, and watch his point here. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, me, Silas, Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. And, and you're like, what, what is the big deal about this? Because, look, a lot of churches and a lot of religions spend a lot of time talking about just saying no or, you know, what, what you can't do. But he says in verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. It made me think of that when here's Ananias and the Lord speaks to him in a vision. And he's like, yes, Lord. I mean, that is your answer. Now, you can list a mile long of promises on what we're to say yes to. But when a lot of people who I'm sharing Jesus with, they when they start this attitude of what can I and can't do, they're like, can I do this? You know, what should you think I it's not right? do? You think it's right? Oh, I'm it's a list a mile long. You know, can I go to a dance? Can I drink a beer? And I, I'm like, look, you're you're looking at this from a rule oriented situation. Let me give you the things that are yes in Jesus. You want complete and utter forgiveness before, during, and after every mistake you'll ever make? That's a yes moment. Yep. You want to live forever no matter what the circumstances? Yes. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I just, I've stopped and started preaching here, but. <laughs> you can do a little preaching, Jay. I, I can't help it. Well, I'll get to the third question. Oh, go ahead, Al. Hang on. Hang on. So in a practical sense of what you're saying, I agree 100 percent. And I was just thinking about over all the years I've spent, you know, working for working for the church. And I remember when I was young, <clears throat> some of the people, you know, that I worked with and for, um, I always felt like if I went to them with a question about, you know, I want to do this. You know, I got this idea that I think we can reach somebody this way or I think we can you know, start this program or this whatever. And I felt like the mindset was with some people is the answer was always no, unless you can give me a compelling reason to allow you to do this. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how I felt. Well, that was, you know, no, but, I agree. So my I, approach, yeah. Go ahead. And my approach later was I wanted to be just the opposite. When people, when people came to me and said, Hey, I got this idea that I want to go do this. My answer was always yes, unless there was a compelling reason why you shouldn't. And so, you know, I just think that's a mindset that's there. And unfortunately, churches are strangled many times by no people well, instead of yes people. And, and the reason I wanted to bring this up, because the next two verses or three verses kind of explains how this happens. Because in this situation, when he says, yes, Lord, well, the Lord said, look, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. You can't make this up. Jesus is sending a guy to Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Ta Saul, huh? And the house of Judas on top of that. <laughs> the subtleties Hang in up. the story are hilarious. Take our last break. He said, in a vision in verse 12, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. 
Now look, here's I love this. In 13, Ananias answered, Lord, now I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now he said, "You sure you want me talking that, to this?" Now he went from "Yes, Lord" to "Ah, I'm not sure about this." And look, are you, you sure? And, and look, is that not what happens every day? We're like, "Oh, the Lord, you know, has a job for me and a mission," and then all of a sudden, things come up in life. And we're like, oh, I'm not sure about this old boy. People this- begin to curse you and speak, say evil things about you after you get all fired up and you're going to be a witness for, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you go out there and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute here. What's all these people on Facebook? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute here. They, there's people who hate my guts here. I thought I was going to. And yeah. they begin to wonder whether it's worth it all. Yeah. And so my point is then in verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. So if you want your one-word sermons out of this, it was who, because we all have to ask, who is Jesus? It's yes, because when you start saying, well, no, Lord, I don't think that's the right guy for the job. You've stepped out of our role in this. And then the Lord, I mean, he just simply said, go, exclamation point. Go. Go. This man is my chosen instrument, which I love how he phrases that, to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for me, for my name, which he said that like in a pleasant way. He gets to suffer for me. That, that, that's right. <laughs> Woo. So, I mean, that was it. That was basically the simplicity of how I read that. Do I think that's still going on today? Exactly. Yes, I I think he uses us for the same things. And look, in my life, over and over, I've seen a lot of people that when they got in a setting where we were introducing Jesus, I said, not this old boy, not this girl. By the way, Ananias, the final little wordage here, went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road back there as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up. Well, what do you know? He got up. Let's see if they're following the pattern of the previous people who were converted. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And you got individuals yeah. 2,000 years later say, why do y'all think you got to go baptize them? I'm like, give me a break. I mean, well, but it there's should, another conversion story. But it shouldn't, Just even, saying. it shouldn't even be an issue based on what we read in Acts 8 in the previous, in the previous chapter. It, it, the question comes down to that, what the eunuch said, why shouldn't I? And here you have the opportunity, but it's Jesus first. And then you get to respond. It should be a blessing and a, and a privilege instead of some kind of debate. But I do think it's funny, too. He said after and, and after taking some food, because, you know, you're, he's fixed to die physically if he didn't get something to eat. He hadn't eaten in three days or any water. Yeah. So well, there's your sermon. Yeah. What will you give? I mean, it wasn't our sermon. It was, you know, 
inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I just picked out those three little one words. Good sermon, Jace. What are uh, you going to go with? That's uh, that's uh, homiletical, and, and, you know, because I love the three words. He's got, you know, when you preach a sermon, you got to have those three points, some one way or the other. So I'm sure I'll <laughs> fold. I'm sure I will fold that into my uh, tapestry. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was good. And I was going to make a couple of points about it in our last few minutes. One is that it wasn't, you talk about not being accidental because Paul, he gives his testimony. He tells this story two more times later in Acts and both times he's, he's on trial, you know, when he does it. So he's, he's trying to convince these Roman authorities that, you know, what he's doing. And, and this is the story he tells him and he, and he fills in a little bit, which we'll talk about next time, some things that he didn't, it didn't said here, but it said later. But I, it's no accident to me that he was blinded either. I mean, he would struggle with it. He wasn't just blinded in the moment. Even though the scales fell off his eyes and he could see well enough to get around, you know from what he said in Galatians, he said, you know, it's me. Look at the big letters I'm using. He was affected. His vision was affected the rest of his life because yeah. of this moment. And and I think maybe even that's what he was talking about in 2 Corinthians 12 when he talked about this you know, thorn in my flesh, but that's just my guess. But Al, but there's a phrase that I'm popped saying, into my head is that seeing the unseen, you know, Joe Beam wrote a book on that that we all love years ago. But there's there's something about that 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 we all have to go through from a trust perspective to have this relationship with God. And, and in this case, he this this all happened while he's blind. I mean, you think that's a coincidence? Yeah, no way. I mean, that's that's exactly right. So I think that was very significant, you know, that this happened the way it did to him. Like y'all were saying earlier, it was to get his attention at first, but then also it was a conviction for the rest of the way. I mean, he he was going to have this. The other thing was he mentions to Ananias that he's going to be the the instrument for the Gentiles. We think about it for a for a Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, trained under Gamaliel. I mean, <laughs> this would have been the worst news ever because nobody wanted, as a Jew, wanted to deal with Gentiles. I mean, you got as far away from them as possible. Yep. And yet, it's in almost this twist of fate, God said, I, I tell you what, you're going to be the main guy that's going to go work with all these Gentiles. Which and, you know, is once why again, we're here. This is why we're here. That's right. Yep. These, these, he was going to reach the people that would eventually lead to us. Yep. I mean, that's exactly. Right. And I tell you, another point that stands out to me is that God is fully aware of of the workings of us representing Him, even in Stephen and Philip and all these these things you're reading. Like when we we read about Jesus standing up at the right hand of God, you know when. Stephen was fixed to be killed and even picking Ananias here and then saying this about Saul, he's going to be my chosen instrument. God is fully aware and, and, and going back to Mark 16, 20, it's him working in us to let him be known in the world. To carry my name before the Gentile and all this religion, uh, religious, all this race, race thing out that we see, and all the division that it's caused, and all of the heartache and the misery, and people coming together, the story of bringing them all together, Jew or Gentile, is right here in the Book of Acts. But they don't, they don't, they don't read it, and they don't believe it. 
sad. Well, you're right, it is. And it's exactly, it shows you that the evil one has used the same tactics spanning across all of history. I mean, you have to divide people. You have to try to get people not to look at God as an answer, but look at themselves, look at identity and all the stuff you see today. It's just reasons itself over and over and over and over again, you know? And I think that's exactly why I chose Paul it was just almost like a cruel joke. I mean, it's not a joke, but I mean, in the way that he said, I'm going to get this guy who would not have had the shadow of a Gentile fall across his body to go in and convert people and build churches and travel to all these places that he would never have done before. So it was really amazing to me. And then he even said the last thing, you're going to, he's going to suffer for my name. And he did. And look, uh, Paul got it from all sides. The Early on, which we'll talk about next time, the disciples wouldn't accept him. Why would they? I mean, you know, his reputation preceded him. And, and yet, he so was so, that- yeah, he was so dead set against Jesus that he's going around killing the followers of Christ as a, as a livelihood. You just think about what a change that he had to make from slaughtering the sons and daughters of God to trying to bring them all together and, under one head, I, mean, even I think Jesus. he did it because, look, from this point on till Jesus comes back, nobody in our world can ever say, I have messed up too bad, I'm too far gone to ever be reconciled to God. And not only that, and to be used in a positive way. Yep. No one can ever say world. that. You're, you're, you're out on that. So you chunk that lie over your shoulder and Get back up. Here you go. God can use you. If he yep. can use us, he can use anybody. And if he can use Saul and, and built the, was one of the pillars of the early church, what are you waiting on? Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.